Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this special episode, Maggie and I will be talking about Ostara and how to celebrate and honor this traditional holiday. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we have a rarity, which is becoming less rare, but we chose a major arcana card, the Emperor. As you may know, the numbered minor arcana, or the pips, are about the day-to-day events, and the court cards are the cast of characters. Then we have the major arcana, which are the keynote or the lesson of the story in your reading. The theme of the emperor card is the father archetype. Yes, the emperor is about providing for the family and protecting and defending your loved ones like the father archetype represents. This archetype is the rock that others rely on for stability and security. The emperor is also a powerful leader or authority who is worthy of respect and recognition. The card represents someone who is both fair and firm. They set and maintain their boundaries with others and guide others to do the same. In some ways, the emperor is the king of kings and therefore embodies the characteristics of each of the kings of the minor arcana. Erica, do you have a story about rules and regulations? organization and planning, systems and structures, or knowledge and skills, or all of the above. Yes, but I feel like I've talked about my job a lot (laughs) because I feel like that's sometimes the only thing that I do. But (laughs) my position is changing to become the lead SLP. And as I'm taking on that role, my boss said that I am becoming all things Sarah. I'm learning all of the different things that she has to do and the rules and regulations around getting our therapy notes approved for insurance payment. I'm having to learn organization skills. I'm planning out the schedule for supervision of the SLPAs. I'm developing systems. I'm making up new policies and procedures. I'm in charge of our standard operating procedures manual. There's a lot of things that I'm helping to implement that are new, and I'm learning the history behind other things that are done. Let me tell you, insurance is dumb. There's all of these little tiny things that we can and cannot say when we are writing our notes. Like, did you know that it is considered medically necessary to learn how to write, but not to learn how to read? That's dumb. It's dumb because one can't happen without the other. Like you don't learn to write if you don't know how to read. So we can't say reading in our notes. We can say decoding which is the act of reading, but we can't say the word reading. Hmm. So that's a stupid rule that I'm having to learn how to follow. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I just, I feel like right now the emperor is standing over top of me and saying, these are the things you should do and you can do them and you will do them well. (laughs) That is a very good emperor voice. No, like a... (laughs) 
it's like an overlord. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I have a couple of stories kind of surrounding this card. The first is that this is actually my tarot birth card. And to figure out your tarot birth card, you take the digits of your birthday, you add them all up, you keep adding up the digits until you get to a number less than 22. And then you can also continue adding them until you get to a single digit. So some people might have two tarot cards. But for me, the emperor is my... And when I first saw that, I was kind of disappointed because I didn't really feel like I related to like a dictator authoritarian type person. But the more I started thinking about it, the emperor does really fit into the way that I view the world. I feel like there are rules, certain rules, that if we all just stuck to them, then things would work out nicely. And when people break the rules, they're not like laws necessarily, but just like societal norms, rules like kindness and being generous, those kinds of things. When people break those humanity-based rules, then it really upsets me. I get annoyed by it. And I think that's what is key about the emperor, where he's a collection of all of the kings. So he has a very fair, balanced position of leadership. And he's more about like the cosmic rules, the things that make society and the world run smoothly. And so there are certain things that I feel like are important in that regard. And so I can see how this card kind of is the lens through which my life is viewed. And also the there are like little rules that are like, they don't really matter, but they make my life easier if they're followed. Loading the dishwasher in the right way or going a specific way to get a place, those kinds of things. I get a little out of sorts if we do something outside of the usual. And then also, of course, I relate to the dad jokes aspect of the father archetype. <laughs> but the story that I have surrounding this card is it probably happened because I was thinking about preparing for this episode and I knew I needed a story about the emperor and I had a dream about our grandfather last night and I have been missing him as many of our listeners probably know Erica and my grandparents passed on at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 so that has been something that we've been feeling a lot mm -hmm. lots of grief and and grief happens in strange ways it comes up when you don't expect it but with our grandpa, I don't think that he was very much of this overbearing person in terms mm -hmm. of the emperor, but he was the patriarch. And, you know, he, he sat at the head of the table and he was very influential in decisions as, as our grandmother was as well. They, they had a pretty good partnership. But the interesting thing is that he was an Aries as well. So the emperor card really fits with him because the emperor represents Aries in the tarot. And so since he was an Aries, he should be very much like the emperor but he wasn't harsh or an authoritarian he was more of like a gentle leader and very caring i think he had a similar people should just follow the rules and lead with kindness and lead with compassion you know he wrote oklahoma zen his book about his philosophy on life and it very much is a book about the way things work and how to be a good person. It gives me another perspective on what it means to be the emperor and what it means to be an Aries, really. That it's not this like push, 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 come on, let's get going. It can also be this kind of gentle leadership, guiding people by example. Anyway, that's just what I've been feeling that I'm kind of surrounded by his memory and the energy of Aries in this time, as we all are, as we enter Aries season, Ostra marks the beginning of Aries season. So that's a good segue into our topic for the week. 
We are talking about Ostara, and so we're going to give you some background about the Wheel of the Year. If you've listened to these episodes in the past, this will be a review for you. But the Wheel of the Year is a way to recognize the important turning points in nature's annual journey through the seasons. And the Wheel of the Year is really helpful for reconnecting with the natural world and how the sun energy fluctuates throughout the year. Much of this cyclical calendar is based on the agricultural timing of the planting crops in spring, watching them grow in summer, harvesting in the fall, and preparing in the winter. Many of us modern people who are not farmers don't necessarily need to be preoccupied with the agricultural calendar. However, there is something to be said for aligning with these themes throughout the year. So we have the four solar holidays, which are related to the position of the sun, and the dates of these differ from year to year. So we have the spring equinox, which is Ostra, what we're talking about today. And then the summer solstice is Aletha, the fall equinox is Mabon, and the winter solstice is Yule. And then the other four sabbats are the fire festivals, Imbolg, Beltana, Lunasa, and Samhain. So again, we are talking about Ostra today. This is the date that is approaching in the Northern Hemisphere. And if you are in the Southern Hemisphere, Mabon is what's coming up next for you. So we will link some information about Mabon in the show notes. Just go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 064. Modern calendars tell us that Ostra is the first day of spring, but in a time when most humans grew their own food, Ostra was actually the middle of spring. And the spring season began at Imbolc in the beginning of February and will continue through Beltanay at the beginning of May. For me personally, the reason why I think that Ostra is sort of the middle of spring and not the beginning of spring is really based on the fact that I've become a gardener and I've noticed the growing season more. And so I've started to subscribe to that agricultural theme. It makes more sense to me that things are starting to grow and change and move through the world starting in February. And because we've seen it start and it doesn't make sense that like now that we're in mid-March that like this is the time when it can start because it hasn't been that way. It makes sense to me in my brain but it doesn't have to make sense to your brain and you can start celebrating when spring starts for you whenever it makes sense for you. I mean, to be honest, like it snowed on Wednesday here and that's Colorado weather for you. So (laughs) snow in the spring in Colorado is equal to rain in like Oregon. And that's important to remember because the traditions that our ancestors followed were based on the environment that they lived in, their circumstances, the things that they believed in. And so as modern people, we can make sure that our traditions are based on the environment that we live in and our circumstances and what we believe in, which is a really interesting thing about witchcraft. You have the freedom to celebrate things how you want, if you want. You can do traditional activities that are associated with Ostra. You can do things that are more seasonal for where you live. You can base your decisions on the resources you have, like your time, your money, and the energy that you have. And of course, the things that you believe in. So with that said, we will present the traditional practices and activities that are associated with the spring equinox around the world. And some do align with the natural changes in places in the Northern Hemisphere. But as Erica mentioned, Colorado has different spring events than Oregon or Florida for that matter. So 
as we're talking about these Ostra activities, we do invite you to reflect on whether or not they are authentic to how you practice witchcraft, what you notice about the seasonal changes in your area, and all of that. But before we get to the practices, let's talk about some mythology, history, and traditions surrounding Ostra. Each year, there are two dates where the day and the night last the same amount of time. These are the spring and fall equinoxes. Equinox comes from the Latin word meaning equal and night. At the spring equinox, or Ostra, the hours of sunlight crosses a threshold where the night and the darkness no longer dominate over the day and the lightness. With the growing amount of light and warmth that comes from the sun, the earth wakes up, plants grow new leaves and flowers, and animals emerge from hibernation. And in fact, I reflected last night that I was leaving work and I work 410s. So I leave work around 6-ish, 6.30 on a late day. And I was coming out of my office at six o'clock and it was day out. (laughs) It was dusk. But it was day out. (laughs) And it was very odd because that's not been the case all winter long. And I was like, hey, another spring moment I'm noticing. That's always fun. Speaking of Ostra, I was surprised to learn when preparing for this episode that Gerald Gardner determined these eight sabbats for the Wiccan calendar and the spring equinox was somewhat of an afterthought. He added it in order to round out the wheel and evenly space the sabbats throughout the year so that there was an even eight. And in doing so, he made this loose connection between the German word Ostera spelled with an E rather than an A in the middle, O-S-T-E-R-A, which means dawn, and the goddess Esther or Ostera, we're not sure how to say it, but it's spelled E-O-S-T-R-E. And we know very little about her. What we do know is that Esther is thought to be the goddess of spring, fertility, and dawn. However, there is not much information about her and almost no known historical records of people worshiping her. It's unclear even whether she's a Celtic or Germanic goddess. But I do wonder if she has any relation to my patron goddess, Eos, who is the Greek-Roman goddess of the dawn. Could be. I mean, the spelling and the the association. With all of that, we know that the spring equinox has been celebrated by many cultures throughout time and space. The Celts and the Druids celebrated the equinoxes and the solstices as proven by the megalithic cairns found throughout Ireland and Great Britain. These sites are aligned to create a calendar when the sun shines on certain stones or through certain openings. And the Druids celebrated the equinox, the spring equinox, but they called it Alban Eiler, or light of the earth, and they would sow the crops, and it was a time of transformation. The Mayans also celebrated the spring equinox. The evidence of this is also found in the structures built to catch the sun. One ceremonial pyramid in Mexico, called El Castillo, uses light and shade to create the illusion of a snake on the steps when the sun hits it on the spring equinox. And my roommate and boyfriend, when they first went to see El Castillo, they happened to be there on the spring equinox. They didn't realize it and they waited to see it, but it never quite, like it was just the wrong time to see it. So they didn't get to see it, but they were there on the spring equinox. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it would have been very cool if they had been there on the equinox. (laughs) Yes. And there are actually several 
other sites in North America that Native Americans built as accurate calendars to represent the equinoxes. There's an amphitheater-like building in Vermont. There's a Stonehenge-like structure in New Hampshire and a series of stones that cast shadows on the cliff face in New Mexico. All of these suggest that ancient people of the continent were captivated by the equinox. The themes of Ostra are similar to those of Easter in Christianity, fertility, renewal, and light. The Christian holiday celebrates the return of Jesus after his death. Ostra celebrates the return of the sun after its death. It is believed that Jesus was resurrected from his tomb, and Ostra is more about rebirth and new life. Even so, the imagery is similar. Eggs, spring flowers, and baby chicks, bunnies, and lambs. And one final similar celebration to spring equinox is throughout the Roman Empire, there was a celebration of both Dionysus and Bacchus, the gods of wine. It was called Bacchanalia, which was celebrated around the same time of the spring equinox, but it had very little to do with the timing of the day and the night. It was more about drinking wine and debauchery, as the Romans will do. (laughs) When in Rome. Yeah. And up until the 1752 shift to the Gregorian calendar, March 25th was considered the first day of the year, which is why Aries is the first sign of the zodiac wheel. The Aries season begins on Ostara, as we will discuss in the next episode. How can you honor this time of the year? We'll tell you after we talk about our sponsor. The Wheel of the Year is an annual cycle of seasonal festivals and consists of the year's chief solar events, solstices and equinoxes, and the midpoints between them. Many witches prefer observing the year on a round calendar as a reminder of the repeating patterns that occur on a rotating cycle over the linear calendar. At Wheels of Fortune, we carry round calendars in many options. Whether you prefer a laser-cut wooden disc, a carved and polished stone tablet, or an engraved metal plate, you'll find a calendar to suit your practice. You can also choose from an astrological calendar, a calendar of the eight sabbats, or a Gregorian 12-month wheel. Stop in today to get your Wheel of Fortune. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So let's talk about some ideas for celebrating Ostara. The first thing you could do is to plant a garden because when you are celebrating Ostara, this is really one of the best ways to participate in the traditions. Spring is a time of renewal and growth. And what better way to celebrate that than by planting seeds and watching them grow? Not only will you be participating in the holidays traditions, but you'll also have the pleasure of watching your garden grow and bloom over the course of spring and summer. In many areas, Ostra may be too early to plant outside, but you can start seeds inside and begin making plans for what you'd like to grow. Additionally, container gardens is always an option. Plant your herbs and veggies in pots inside and move them out on warm dates. I am starting my garden early this year. I've already got all of my seedlings. Some of them may have already died, unfortunately. Turns out seedlings need a lot of water. And Mm. if you skip a day, they really don't like it. So we may have to start some seeds again. But that's okay because plants die (laughs) and we can grow more. But the thing that I'm doing this year that I have never done before and I'm super scared about is I'm starting a cold box 
so that I can put the frost tolerant plants like peas and lettuce and kale and all of the cool weather plants that really hate heat. I'm going to start them outside, not on Austria, but the week after in a, in a cold box greenhouse thing. So wish me luck. (laughs) We will wish you luck. I'm still learning how to do a garden in Florida. Last year, things just needed a lot more water than I thought they would. They need to be like watered constantly because it's just so hot in the summer. And there are things that I wanted to grow in the summer that just wouldn't they just can't handle it. This year we're putting up some sunshades over the garden to protect it from like the majority of the sun and to hopefully keep the water in the soil for longer instead of it evaporating. So wish me luck as well. We wish you luck. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And if you don't have a green thumb, don't worry. There are plenty of other ways to enjoy Ostara. Now, traveling is another great way to enjoy Ostara. Many people get restless over the winter and are ready to go out and explore by the time Ostara comes around. So this time of year is a perfect opportunity to visit new places and explore new cultures or to discover something new in your area if you want to stay more close or local. I am traveling to Cabo at the beginning of May. So actually for Beltane, but I definitely have that itch and that feeling of needing to go places and do things and see people, which may be a result of coming out of the winter, but also maybe a result of coming out of pandemic crazy yeah. madness. Exactly. Yeah. We, we just got back from Mexico city and so similar timing and I'll actually be in Colorado during Ostara. So there you go. A little bit of visiting. For Christmas, I got Dana a season pass. It's like a gift for both of us because he does it with me. But it's a pass where when we visit a new place, it has to be within the U.S. They have like scavenger hunts where you can explore a city by searching for the clues. And the app will like when you get to the place, the app will tell you what your next clue is. So I'm really excited to get a chance to use that as well. And it has it has a bunch in our city too. So we can just like go downtown St. Pete and use it. That reminded me, I'm starting a book journal, which I probably should have started like 10 years ago. You don't actually have to physically travel places either. You could travel to a fantasy land through a book or a movie or, you know, just the idea is to explore new places, maybe watch a documentary about some place that you want to go, even if you can't actually physically be there. But we, it, the idea is to like explore the culture and learn about different areas. Another thing that you can do is to learn a new hobby. So many people choose to start new hobbies during the springtime as the season is a time of rebirth and new beginnings. So if you're looking for a new way to celebrate Ostara, consider starting a new hobby. This is a terrible idea from me because I start new hobbies like it's nobody's business. So... (laughs) Like it's going out of style. Like it's going out of style. So maybe it's not a bad thing. I don't know. I saw a post that was, there should be like a swap meet for crafters where you can go and set up and just like trade hobbies with another hobbyist because you've already purchased all of the stuff to do the hobby, but you never actually did it. 
So you have all the things and maybe somebody's wanting to start that hobby and, you know, do that same thing that we all do as crafters and never actually do it. <laughs> but then you don't feel like you have to waste money <laughs> on <laughs> buying starting. a new thing. Right. So I think that that is a brilliant idea and this should, this should exist. So well, you should, you should make it a thing if you want it to exist. I Set should. up a Facebook group. Yeah, I think it's good. Whatever time of the year it is, I think start. I don't think it's a bad thing that you start new hobbies like <laughs> it's going out of style because it's a good way to keep your brain healthy by mm. learning something new. So it, I think Austria is a good time to really make it intentional, especially if you're not like Erica, who starts a hobby all the time. So, you, you know, using this as an opportunity to learn something new, but and I don't maybe, think it's a bad thing. Maybe it's for me, it's not about starting something new, but revisiting something that has been put to the side. So I could focus yeah. on re the rebirth part of Austria instead of the new beginnings part. Yeah, like dig, go into your craft box or craft shelf of the graveyard of crafts that never <laughs> got there. Finished, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to do that too. We have a closet that I just like don't open because it's the graveyard of unfinished crafts, basically. <laughs> Whatever you decide to take up, whether it's woodworking, painting, cooking, or something else, there's bound to be a hobby that's perfect for you. And of course, what kind of list of things to do in the spring would it be if we didn't include spring cleaning? This is an important tr tradition for many people around this time during the spring. That's why it's called spring cleaning. If you are looking for a way to celebrate Ostra that is fun and productive, then spring cleaning is a good thing to do. You can get your home ready for the warmer months that are coming, and you can clean out your home, get rid of all the clutter that's been building up over the winter, especially if you didn't do this at Imbolc when we previously suggested it. This makes your home feel lighter. It's more spacious when you clear things out, and you can get organized for the coming year if we consider Ostara to be the first day of the year. And I love this idea of the constantly shifting first day of the year. You know, we talked about it with New Year's at January 1st. We talked about it at Imbolc with the like the start of spring. And we I mean, we talked about spring cleaning at Imbolc too. So like there's there is always an opportunity to re-pick up that resolution that you made that to repick up all of these, like, I'm going to clean my house. I'm finally going to get organized. Like just because you haven't done it before, doesn't mean that you can't try it again now. And it's always a different sort of reorganization at each of those stages as well. On January 1st, it's about cleaning up the mess from the holidays and really like getting yourself set for the Gregorian new year and, and planning for the 12, the next 12 months. And at Imbolc, it's the Sabbat new year. And it's talking about the beginning of spring and all of these joyous things. The sun is coming back and now the sun is here at Austria and we can do all these fun spring clean, getting our our house ready for the summer, you know, cleaning out our garden tools, getting them ready for gardening. So there's, there's always something to do. And it's, I, I like, I like the new opportunities that are always popping up. Right. And at Ostra, you know, you can also have the doors open and the windows open more than you can do at like January 1st or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's too cold yes. at that point, but it's starting to get a little warmer where that's okay. As you were talking, I was thinking, well, all of these are sort of aligned with the sun returning. And that is part of 
it. But even if you if you kind of flip it after Letha, you start thinking about cleaning as a release activity as the sun mm -hmm. is declining. Sure, yeah. So it's it's just the intention that you put behind it. Exactly. That was a great pun and a great transition <laughs> to our final activity, which is about eggs. Exactly. Exactly. Now, if you're a vegan like me, you probably would want to skip any of these egg-related activities, but eggs are a popular symbol of Ostara, so they are pretty common. So let's let Erica, our egg eater, tell us about the egg activities. I do love eggs. <laughs> So egg dyeing is probably the most obvious. This is a fun activity that the whole family can enjoy, and it's a great way to celebrate the holidays tradition. There are many different ways to dye eggs, and you can get creative with your designs. You know, if you're just like low key, I don't care, go out and just buy that egg dyeing box and drop it in some vinegar and super easy. If you're a little bit more extra and you want to try something new and different, you could try a natural dye, such as those made from plants and fruits. Other egg-related activities include egg divination, egg tossing, a race with an egg balanced on a spoon, egg hunts, or any other egg thing that you can think of. Including actually eating the eggs, making a meal with eggs with as part eggs. of your Ostara <laughs> celebration. <laughs> yes, I think, um, you know, make make some omelets or make a um, frittata or quiche or you know something fun with like those new those new spring vegetables some spinach or some peas or anything that embodies this ostra energy and if you want to know about other ways to celebrate ostra there's another blog post about this where i share some other activities that you can do so read that post you'll find a link in the show notes just go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero six four so this episode is brought to you by lemongrass. Erica is going to tell us about the medicinal properties and then I will share the magical properties. Lemongrass is a fun one. I love anything that is not a lemon that smells like lemon. It just, it boggles the mind and I don't, I don't know wh why it boggles my mind, but it does. <laughs> when you just like, rub your fingers through the leaves of like a lemon balm or lemon grass and it just smells like lemon. I just, I don't get it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Lemongrass is a herb that is native to Sri Lanka and South India, and it is used most commonly as an ingredient in Asian cooking. And you can also use it to brew a lemongrass tea, and it helps to fight free radicals and reduce inflammation in the body. It also is really good at relieving stress, lowering, lowering cholesterol, preventing infection. It's great for boosting oral health. So you can just kind of chew on it and help to get rid of the bacteria and stuff in there. I wouldn't use it only as your oral health means, but it's a good way to get rid of some bad breath. It can help relieve pain and it relieves bloating. Lemongrass is both passive and active. It corresponds with Mercury, Air, and Gemini and Virgo. It is most often used for psychic cleansing and opening, lust potions, divination, glamour magic, improving your concentration, love, and purifying your tools. You can add it to any spell for any of these purposes. 
if you wanted to burn it, you could bundle the leaves and burn them into as an herb bundle for cleansing in preparation for divination or for any sort of psychic practice. You can add it to as a tea, you can make it a potion for love or for lust. You can store lemongrass in your makeup bag as a way to charge those items with your glamour magic intentions, whatever glamour you're putting on. Listen to the glamour magic episode for more information about that. It also as a tea can be used for improving concentration. So drinking it while you know you need to focus on something, whether that's a hobby or work or anything like that. Either using the herb bundle that you make for smoke cleansing, you can pass your magic tools through it to purify them. You could also store lemongrass with your tools. So if you have like a box that you keep your tools in or anything like that, you could sprinkle lemongrass over it or store it in there. Next week, we will be viewing our lives through the lens of the Queen of Wands, looking for times that we either embody the Queen of Wands or notice someone else doing so. So this card is about being magnetic and attractive, leadership, being self-assured, upbeat, and optimistic. It's about being dedicated to whatever you're pursuing. It's a friendly and easygoing person who is wholeheartedly involved in anything that they are doing and somebody who just brightens the room whenever they enter it. So again, we'll be looking for the Queen of Wands in our lives. And if you have a story about the Queen of Wands, please send us a voicemail to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 064. Join us next week when we talk about making the most of Aries season. Now make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified about each new episode. And to help other witches find this show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Someone mentioned to me that if you listen on Spotify, there's no option to do a five a review with stars. So if you're listening on Spotify, I think you just give us a thumbs up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things. And if you have any other tips to add, tell us about it in the Talk Witchcraft Forum in Mumbles Academy community. And don't forget to share this episode with your witchy friends and followers. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. These sites are aligned to create a calendar where the sun sun shines on certain stones. Oh, my goodness. That is a tongue twister. (laughs) There's a hill. There's an amphitheater-like hill. No, the hill is not part of it. Stop saying the word hill. I know it's on the page, but it's not part of it. At Wheels of Fortune, we carry round calendars in many options. Whether you prefer a laser-cut wooden disc, a Harvard and polished stone. No, no, no. (laughs) Carved. Carved. I like how you just went with it, though. You were just like, yeah, that's it. I was like, maybe Maggie knows something about crystals that I don't. (laughs) I appreciate the faith in me. It was just a typo. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about repelling snakes because that's silly. <laughs> I don't want to talk about snakes. I don't oh. talk about snakes. <laughs> I mean, it's sometimes nice to repel snakes, but not always. <laughs>